find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. The music scene has got me down. Oh, shit. Welcome to the Ugly Radio. Tonight's episode Nemekitepa. from the grocery store, my boyfriend was dead on the floor. If he had been dead on the kitchen floor, I would have been less upset by it, but he was dead on the carpet. His eyeball, the size and consistency of an underdone jello shot, had liquefied and was now congealing into the grey shag rug. His phone chirped in his pocket and he went to check the notification. Oh, hey Care Bear. He said when he noticed me. Hi, Jack, I said. Are you all right? No. He said calmly. I suggested we have a talk. I helped him up from the floor, located the stain remover, and shoved the thawing lean cuisines into the freezer. He held a rag and looked at the mess, where the remains of his eyeball were spreading out like a poached egg yolk. Gonna have to get a new one, he said ambiguously. After our talk, Jack and I came to the mutual conclusion that the most convenient thing to do in this scenario was to carry on as if he was still alive. When my grandma died, we couldn't even afford to go out for tapas anymore, I said to him. I like tapas, Jack said with a frown. I explained to him that funerals are expensive. So are rugs and eyeballs and tapas. Out of the four of those things, we came to the mutual conclusion that rugs and tapas spark joy, while funerals and liquefied eyeballs do not. We reorganized the living room so that the couch covered the stain. I had to move it almost entirely on my own, since Jack started to turn a sort of lavender purple color and had to sit down for a while. Once we got the blood off of his face, I tied a silk scarf around the empty socket, and we lay in bed together, shopping online for eye patches. Jack was pretty quiet. I can only imagine he was stressed out thinking about having to wear an eye patch to his brother's wedding. I know how he hates to stand out. He kept trying to touch the empty socket. Does it hurt? I asked. He said he wasn't sure, and we turned out the lights and went to bed. Except I didn't sleep, and he didn't sleep. Neither of us slept. When the sun rose, my boyfriend was dead on the floor again. He had moved the couch and was laying with his face pressed against the stain on the rug. Honestly, it pissed me off a little. I started making coffee. Care He said from the floor. I didn't respond. 
I listened as he got up, creaking, and came to the kitchen. I poured him a cup of coffee in his favorite mug that I'd bought him during our trip to Yosemite, and I tried to hand it to him without looking at his face. But the mug fell onto the floor, and the handle cracked off, and the hot coffee went all over my bare feet, and I screamed, and I started crying, and I ran and hid in the nice bathroom until Jack slid an ice pack under the door and apologized. When I finally came out, he had swiffered the floor and was standing, holding the mug and its broken off handle, trying, it seemed, to deduce how they had ever been parts of the same object. Jack's eye patches arrived. I ordered him a set. Black, dark brown, navy blue, white, light brown, rose pink, sky blue, seafoam green, and lavender. A color for every occasion. He stood in front of the full-length mirror on the closet door while I handed him eye patches to try on, and we practiced matching them to his shirts. Well, that one will be good for Easter, I said as he tried on the rose pink. It matches your Armani bow tie. He nodded. He smiled, and one of his front teeth got caught in his lip and was ripped out of his receding gums. He caught it before he hit the floor, but a piece of bloody drool ran down the front of his shirt. Tooth cup? He begged. I sighed and fetched the tooth cup, where we were keeping all his teeth for the time being. We powered through the rest of the eye patches and decided on lavender for the wedding. It matched my dress and his new skin tone, which notably did not improve after several days of brightening clay masks. He just seemed to get grayer. Jack fought me on the new carpet. I explained to him that not only was Shag out, but if he were to have another accident, cut loop would be much easier to clean. He said I was missing the point. He said he needed that carpet, he needed to sleep with his face up against the stain, and when I pressed him on the matter, he said that without it he could feel his soul, or something similar, actively being sucked away into the stratosphere piece by piece as he went about his day. I reminded him that my friend Chelsea works for rejuvenation, meaning that we could get him in for cryotherapy at half the price. He opened his mouth to reply, and a glob of teeth and saliva fell out onto the floor. It was disgusting. I started to cry. He looked panicked, unsure of whether to prioritize comforting me or picking up his rotten teeth. He prioritized the teeth. He cleaned them off in the bathroom sink, put them in the tooth cup, and got down on his hands and knees to scrub the floor. I sat on the bed and cried. After he'd thoroughly washed his hands, he came over and sat next to me on the bed. He kissed my head with his mouth closed. He put his hand on top of mine, and I saw that his nail beds were sinking back, shriveling away. When I was done crying, he said that I was right, that cut loop would be easier to clean. To celebrate getting a new rug, we went out for tapas. Jack ordered half the dishes, as usual, but he patiently held back on eating them while we were out in public. He rolled a ball of fried cheese around with his fork. I relayed what 
Chelsea had told me about essential oils and reminded him that it never hurts to try something new. He cut a croquetta in half and watched a puff of steam escape it. What do you think of glass eyes? He asked. They're ominous, I admitted. Yeah. I told him what Chelsea told me about photosynthesis, how it wasn't entirely just for plants anymore. How breatharians were nuts, sure, but maybe not super nuts. He looked sad. Do you think I'll never be able to have tapas again? He asked. We're having it right now, I said, perplexed. I mean, eat it. I set my hand on his lavender forearm. Someday he'd understand that having tapas wasn't contingent on eating tapas. And life, consequently, wasn't contingent on living. As we walked home from the restaurant, past pubs and arcades and anthropology, I took Jack's arm. I pulled down gently in what was supposed to be a subtle nonverbal display of affection. I was not prepared for his arm to come off. My gentle pole dislodged the rotting mess of his shoulder tendons, and I felt the whole limb go limp inside his coat sleeve. I pulled him to the bench, expertly staging a lovey-dovey stargazing interlude while we figured out what to do next. When I turned to him to explain the importance of keeping a cool head under duress, I saw that he was crying, and the tears were gooey coming out from under his eye patch, the white one, so it was very noticeable. Baby, I said. Care Bear. He echoed. Your eye is leaking, I said, in case he hadn't noticed. He nodded to let me know that he had noticed. Jack turned to me. I winced in spite of myself at the sight of him. He said that he had been thinking, and that he was going to go ahead with a funeral, even though it was expensive. He said that he wouldn't be able to make it to his brother's wedding, or the reception, or anything after that, actually. He said that he loved me, and that he was sorry, and that he had too much to carry, and it was ripping him apart. He apologized for the tears, which mostly blood with some other weird fluids mixed in. He asked if I still had the fashion disaster mini emergency kit that he'd gotten for me last year and the secret compartment in my purse. I nodded, uh, stunned and heartbroken. He carefully located the seam ripper, separated his defunct arm, sleeve and all and left it in my lap like an orphan on a doorstep in a movie. He put the kit away. Like a gentleman and a romantic, lips cold, he kissed the top of my head, bowed as low as his decaying body could manage, and walked away. He seemed distraught, but it was hard to tell because I don't think I've ever seen Jack distraught in his life. You left this, I shouted, cradling his arm in mine. Keep it, he said, raising the bag of tiny styrofoam takeout containers like a 
shimmering white flag. Not enough hands. I wondered, with a proper manicure and some clever posing and editing, if Jack and I might have a chance at making it through the holidays. Reconstructive surgery was more advanced than ever. Surely with physical therapy, photosynthesis, cryotherapy, friends and family discounts, subtle begging, dentures, IKEA's loyalty program, and a new trip to Yosemite to get a new mug, anything was possible. Surely, for enough money, they could bring anything back. I laced our fingers together.
Shaped Hollow. Written by Jillian Blevins. an incredible practical effect. It looks like she's being dragged up the walls and across the ceiling, right? Totally creepy. But how Toby Hooper did this, this is so cool. He made a set piece that spins, okay? Attached it to a static camera and put the actress inside. It's so unsettling because gravity is doing something real. She's just tumbling around the spinning room, but the perspective makes your brain go, Genius. Today they would just, like, put her in front of a green screen and do some stupid CGI effect. It would be completely lame. You know what your problem is? You have no appreciation for classic cinema. You've gotta be shooting me. That's the right key? Yes. Give me a second. Because if we drove all the way up here in a hurricane... It's not a... It's a deluge. You're fine. I was the one driving. You just... Wow. Jesus Christ. This is... Uh, it's not that bad. Grandma really screwed me. I knew she was mad at me for taking a gap year. She left you a vacation house. Who's a vacation house at 18? She left me a shithole no one has stayed in for 20 years. <laughs> Rude. Kendra. Mackenzie got the house. The actual house. She has kids. And you got the Lincoln. That car is at least 10 years old. And I got this mildewy 70s nightmare. What a brat. You sound like a brat. Thank you. It's 90s, 80s at the earliest, and it's free real estate on Cape Cod. If you don't want to keep it, I- Get- out. Mom hated it here. Now, I see why. You know why she hates it. Okay. Okay. It's a little gross right now. Air it out. Call some people to fix it up. Why is the TV on? It's Spooktoberfest on Channel 10. Uh, uh, maybe a power sword. Dude! Uh, mice. Of course there's mice in here. God. You hear that, Eddie? You suck at your job. It'll be okay. We are not sleeping here tonight. Definitely not. You really want to drive all the way back down Route 6 in this weather? Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. See? The storm is right on top of us. We hydroplaned at least twice on the way here. I don't feel like dying tonight, do you? Eddie, get out here. Do something. Attack. 
Fine. One night. We can fix it up. It has potential. I always knew she hated me. I always knew she hated me. I hate you! She didn't hate you. To my youngest granddaughter, Kendra, I bequeath a decaying, rodent-infested cesspool. This is my house! <laughs> okay, alright, it's gross. You're gross. I'm not missing poltergeist to listen to this. Dude. I'm gonna go see how bad the bedrooms are. I swear to God, if there's mouth shit on the beds... Well, there are sleeping bags in the car. I bet there's black mold in here. Look, Kendra, if you hate it that much, you can sell it. People pay a million dollars for a house in Truro. This house? If you can bring in the contractor, update the appliances, and maybe put on a new roof and... Ugh, that's way too much work. What a waste of... Oh my god! There's a cat in here! Here, kitty kitty. She must have come in here to get out of the rain. Is, is someone there? I think I'm going to take her back with us. My apartment has a no pets policy, but... Ken, you're right. Let's go home. Now. Huh? Bring the cat. Whatever. We, we've just got to... I can't drive in this. You said so yourself. We barely made it here in the first place. I'm cranky and tired and wet. I really don't think... I was being a bitch. We can call a real estate agent in the morning. Get the ball rolling on a sale. Kendra? What movie is this? Poltergeist, you philistine. This place is giving me bad vibes. Vibes? You know what happened to mom's sister here? The beach house was supposed to belong to our family. And mom just let it sit empty and fall apart. Can you blame her? And instead of spending summers eating lobster rolls and tanning, we went camping. It's creepy. I don't like being here. Can we please get in the car? Mom let something that happened 40 years ago deprive us of our God-given right to vacation like rich people. Classic Liz. Liz? I'm warming up the car. We'll find a hotel. It's the off-season. There's no hotels on the Cape in October. We're going. I never told you what happened, did I, Eddie? With me and Lizzie. My baby sister? She was... 14? Yeah. And I was 18. I still am, I guess. We'd spend a month here every summer, July. And Liz and I... We had this tradition on the 4th of July, where we'd go to Great Hollow Beach and have a bonfire, and watch the fireworks over Provincetown. We'd go night swimming, just the two of us. Our parents liked it because they got a night to themselves, I think. Anyway, it was this special thing, right? A sister thing. And on that 4th of July, I met this boy. He was a college guy, tall and just like super cool. He was in a band and invited me to a party with him and his friends on Boston Beach on the ocean side, not the bay. There was going to be a keg and probably pot and he was so cute and I didn't want to seem 
I told her we weren't doing the bonfire, that we were too old for fireworks, and she should just stay with mom and dad. And she said, please, it's our thing. The last time before you go to college. And I said, no. She asked if she could come with me. We didn't have to watch the fireworks or swim or whatever. We could do something else, but could we please just stay together? But I wanted to go to this party to see this boy without my little sister. She got mad, which is what Lizzie always did when she was trying not to cry. She said, fuck you then, I hate you. And, and I said, grow up and get your own friends, loser. The waves were too big. Everyone was too drunk to notice until it was too late. And then it took them too long to climb up the dunes for help after they got me out of the water. I should have stayed with Lizzie. I shouldn't have gone night swimming without her. She wouldn't have let me. We had always done it on the bay side. We should have had the bonfire, watched the fireworks. We should have been together. I don't even remember the guy's name. Isn't that stupid? Goddamn car won't start. Mike? I can't believe this. We should have taken Grandma's car. My car. Mike. Do you think AAA will even come out here? Mike! Did Mom ever tell you what happened with Clara? Uh, sort of. Not really. What did she say? Just that she drowned on the 4th of July. She only told me she died in Truro. She thought it was her fault. Whatever happened. Oh, Liz. God. It wasn't your fault. She didn't like to talk about it. It was me. Poor Mom. I never should have left you behind. Yeah. I should have stayed with you. I think I'm gonna stay. Tonight? For a while. I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. I think I need to. It's not safe. There was a little money in the will. Enough to bring it up to code. That's not what I meant. I think... I'm supposed to fix it. I always felt like she was keeping it from me. Mom? She wanted to protect you. Like she wanted to protect me from something. Maybe. But it's like... There's this big part of her life that I don't know. A whole. You look just like her. I think. Please stay. I'm gonna stay. I am. Kendra, no. I'll be alright. But who's gonna look out for you? I'll look out for her. I'm 18. I can look out for myself. <sighs> I need to do this. I just have this feeling. I don't like it. I love you, Mike. I'm calling Mom. Maybe you can get her to come. Maybe I can get her to come out here. Once it's fixed up. I'd like to see Lizzie as a mom. So weird. Fucking T-Mobile. I'll be right back. I can restore this. You don't mind a roommate, do you, kitty? He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, you'd like that. Okay. Poltergeist 2. Not a great sequel, plot-wise, but the special effects are still amazing. And Julian Beck's performance as Henry Kane? Iconic. It was his last performance, actually. He was the second victim of the poltergeist curse.
Mania, written by Brendan Mack. Once upon a time, before time was time, before the sky was filled with clouds, before people knew the pain of seeing family members die, before families, before death, we start our story. Beginnings of stories are filled with promise. Let's move forward an unseeable amount of time. A millennia later, we are no closer to understanding death as dawn arrived on the coastal town of Bifaloni Beach, we find some of our villagers awaken with the sun. Ligni, an absolute delight, and Scrone, a buzzkill shipboy, walk along the beach collecting shells, for today was the anniversary of their friend Tulipa's father's death. Though a sad occasion, for they knew nothing of death, Scrone followed the directions and collected shells upon the beach. Ligni, as want would, sings a melodious little ditty without a tune, and while there are notes, and while it is pleasant, it is barely a song. Three little snails, they bring us home, back to the place where the snail queen sits, sits and sits and sits on a throne where she sits and sits and sits. Crying on a Monday, crying on a Tuesday, no one knows when the bird is gone. Crying on a Thursday, crying on a Saturday, oh, we found the bread so we end our song. What is that? A something song. It's a song about... Something. Snails. Bread. Is that a popular thing for you? It is to me. Just a little song I sing while traveling here or there. It can be about anything or anywhere. How is it? Crying on a Monday, crying on a Tuesday? Well, it doesn't stick around. It's temporary. It happens then and there and then is gone. It's like everything. Oh, like the dolphin. Exactly like the dolphin. Violently killing its prey and holding birds underwater to drown for fun. Maybe not exactly like the dolphin. Mighty, mighty dolphin, swimming home to roost. Feel your paisley button blouses raining from the roof. Oh, mighty, mighty dolphin, glad as glad can be. Waiting for an eight, nine, ten on the five, six, seven seas. Is this art? I don't suppose it is. Well, maybe it is? It's very odd. Art has always been something you see, but... Well, I suppose it could be something you hear as well. Just as long as you can see it. What if you couldn't see it? What if art could be anything? Something that didn't exist in one moment, but suddenly, ShamWow! It's there! ShamWow! A child cries! ShamWow! A baby is born and aged a hundred years and lives a beautiful life! ShamWow! Are you saying ShamWow? I've always said ShamWow. It sounds... odd. We have lived a very odd life for a very odd time. It helps pass the waiting time. <laughs> I like it when it feels like time stands still because my whole life feels like just instants and memories and it's just all so fast. That's why I like a something song. It slows down time and reminds me of 
Just being alive. May I try? Well, of course. Okay. I... 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 I went... I... I think I went to a place with shells and all I got was this singing song. Is that good? All right. And island made of bluster light and waves that crash and breach. So we can be a little more active by the noon time, a little more sleepy by the moon time. And we pass the days and nights just jolly, happy little wees. As the days keep passing fast and fasting, Winter, summer, spring, and winter, and snap. You're 39 and weeping, looking at the moon. And it's waning, 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 waning. <laughs> this something song, sung by Scrone, was the first time these words had ever been put in that order. And it was Marvelous. Marvelous! It's like that? Precisely like that. I really felt good about the waning. Well, it was the best part. <laughs> I do like this something song. Yes, I do believe I'll take this back with me when I leave. Leaving. I hadn't thought about leaving. I barely thought about death before today. I was just content being here, being happy. I forgot that people die. But we all need to go elsewhere. Elsewhere? <gasps> What's elsewhere like? Is it like here on Beefaloni Beach? Is it good or bad? It's worse. Worse? Much worse. <gasps> but why would you go to a place which is worse? Well, I should show you. There is a 28 second pause. In that time, we see a spiraling of lights and images on just Ligny's face. No sound, no reaction. In these next 28 seconds of silence, I ask for you to think about your family, friendship, the future you dreamed for yourself that you will never taste. Think on every person you disappointed over the entirety of your life, and how many people there are that when they think of you, there is nothing but malice, contempt, violence. In those 28 seconds, they reflected on the slow misery of never being truly happy. In those 28 seconds, they learned who they were. There is so much pain. I'm sorry. I should have warned you. What has become of me? What has become of any of us? It just got away from us. We gather our treasures and remember those who pass, but we don't get to mourn the us that never was. A life that we could have had if things had been different. We're always moving, always singing, always feeling a missing piece of a puzzle where we can't see what it is, but we feel it. A hole. A little hole where Happy used to sit. I think in all my time on Beefaloni Beach, I have learned to find meaning in a lack of action. Nay, a lack of event, being as myself in a place. I haven't centered myself on regrets or what could have been. I just 
let myself be happy. I have waited my entire life for a ticket tape parade saying, you've made it, <laughs> waiting for a moment of actual calm. Have you waited long? Long enough. Was it what you expected? It was. It was also unexpected. It's the funeral today, thinking about my own mortality. Thinking, no, feeling myself, what it is to be nothing, just nothingness. I've never felt so at peace, undistracted by joy, unfeathered from pain. Untethered? What's that? Did you mean to say untethered? How's that? You said you were undistracted by joy and unfeathered from pain. I'm just curious if that's what was meant. You're missing my point. Oh, and there it's gone. I had it. I had perfect universal calmness, and you ruined it with those tetherings and I'm terribly sorry. I tried my best to help, and I don't think that the world is quite as magical as it was before those 28 seconds passed. Those 28 seconds of silence were brutal. Feeling like a toad. A toast made by a ghost A long ago And distant person Pushed us to the coast I think I liked my life better before the 28 seconds, said Ligny. I don't think I started living until the passing of second 27, said Scrone. Far away from Bifaloni Beach and the untethering of existence, John and Tulipa walk arm in arm. It is the anniversary of Tulipa's father's funeral. The breeze blows sweetly through the tall grass on a hill. It is a late summer day, the kind of summer evening where the sun never sets. The sound of scritchy little bugs wash the landscape like a wave. Tulipa wears a blue brooch her father's favorite color. She, her father's favorite. Are you going to check every blade of grass? Well, I have to now, don't I? Because there's no telling what form father has taken in his next life. Is there anything I can do to help? Yes. What can I do? Let me look. Those two took off singing down their way. The beach must be lovely this time of night. There, you can hardly see them that far out. Boy, howdy, did they go far. They didn't search every blade of grass. Well, I guess the grass is always greener. Is that a metaphor? I despise metaphor. Well, I hate standing around watching grieving goddesses fondling the grass. Well, perhaps I'm a little too thorough. It is important, after all. After all. John sits on a rock. A rock that 100 years from now will serve as a marker for explorers to find their way to the coast. A rock that 200 years from now will be the site of a great battle between the forces of a colony of ants and a young boy armed with a watering can. A rock that 300 years from now will be nowhere, a nothing, an undid triumph of eternity. This rock is cool and calm. I am not too good at staying still. <laughs> When we first saw you, or when we first learned how to see you, I didn't want to believe it. I went about my day as normal, but week by week people stopped going to work. They'd be at your door, 
people wouldn't go home at night. They'd wait. Wait for the great something. I was the last one who didn't go. And I feel like a fool because years of not knowing and pretending to be okay and hoping that things would go back to the way they were, I just had to show up and it was over. Your doors opened and if I had just gone and learned to sit still. I mean, look, you see this? John shows Tulipa an image. What is it? This is called the Eiffel Tower of Paris, France. Well, it's a picture of the Eiffel Tower of Paris, France. Well, it's a picture of a calendar with a picture of the Eiffel Tower of Paris, France. They call it a captured image. Captured? Like stolen? More like sharing than stealing. Sharing places, sharing events, sharing everything. Feelings for people who couldn't be there in person. Another picture. This is a statue of a woman holding a baby. Oh my, it looks so lifelike. Somebody made this. And here. Another. Cherry trees in spring. When the wind sweeps through, it blows the petals in the air and makes the most beautiful magic you'd ever seen. Or wait. The pictures are endless. With each revealed, a history unfurls before them. A watch. A tap-dancing nuclear reactor. A sister who will always be loved. A snail looking for a bit of bread. A child sitting at a grave holding a single flower. A friend. Here. Uh, that's me! That's you. You took a capture of me? Look at Scrone! Look at his face! Oh. <laughs> Can I get a copy of this? Of course, it's for sharing. Oh, and here. John scrolls through images of a parade. Smiling face, babies, floats, art, sunny days, a rope coiled on a dock, and then faces. Smiling, posing, happiness, large groups together, so many faces. So many people. So many happy people. A flowering tree, a perfectly laid out dining table, a bride on her wedding day. From out of the woods, we see Scrone and Ligny wandering up. We found a something. It might be your father. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Here, come, sit, look at this. John scrolls through pictures. A birthday party. A hug between adorned friends. A beautiful garden. John covered in birds. A receipt for peanuts. A sunset. The night sky. The vast nothingness of death. It's beautiful, Tulipa. It's all so beautiful. I was so concerned with how it all would be. I didn't think of how it would go. Marvelous things. Beautiful things. But they weren't meant to simply be. They were meant to be experienced. To think... I wanted to end it all. Start over elsewhere. Oh. No! Elsewhere is the worst. But I'm past that now. I'm not afraid to say the things that haven't been said before. I was so worried about us being found that I wasn't actually special. I'm just myself. Did you sit in silence for 28 seconds? What's that? She just... You sound like someone who was sat in silence for 28 seconds. It's really beautiful, Tulipa. Your father would be proud of you. It's so beautiful. That rock, this tree, that blade of grass, that blade of grass, this, this blade of grass, this blade of grass, and, and this blade of grass. These captured images. What are they? These, um, 
uh, uh, my pictures. Your pictures. They captured so much beauty. I forgot how much beauty there was because I was stuck so long in this war. These feelings of what I lost. I forgot all the things I have yet to see and touch. And hear. And hear. You have all of time and existence to experience. You created this world from your ambitious desire to make beauty. Not to keep it or to have it, but to share it. You are the Archfoy of creation. My entire life I have devoted to capturing pictures of all the beautiful things the world has to offer. I have discovered that all the art I created kept me feeling whole. Kept me as myself long enough for the rest of me to catch up to the self that was unwinding. It's a lifeboat. This... This is my art. Good art? It's my art. Well... <laughs> Standing in this point in the universe, in time and space, fully experiencing the X and the Y and the Z of where I am and who I was and who I never was, it was everything. It was enough. It was beautiful enough, sad enough, strange or sweet or cataclysmic enough. Everything I have ever touched and experienced, a record forgotten of where I was and who I was that will go on long after I am gone. It doesn't need to be on a marquee or sang from the highest hills. People should be able to live unrecognized and to do good. It's really beautiful. What happened in those 28 seconds? Too much. A lot of numbness and negativity. A wave of fear and a regret for life we're no longer living. Grieving? Afraid to stand still. I don't like standing still. Eventually you won't get a choice and you must. I miss my father. I really, 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 really miss my father. What was he like? The same as me. And now? Different. Different. The air, a breeze, a sadness. What do you prefer? Different. Different. Scrone sits upon the rock with John. Their hands interlock as Scrone begins to sing. What now? What is he doing? It's a something, something, something song. You make us proud, you're never wrong. Something, something, something. Let us grieve and something, something, something. The wave of thought I had around life and death were so very much. I saw it all. I felt everything in such rapidity that I got lost in the mania. My mind was a sieve holding nothing back and just letting everything go. I thought I lost my mind. I kept telling myself to hold it together, to be the goddess, to be the best version of myself that I've always been, but that best version of myself was lost back long ago. Far back. Another me. Another life. I cried all the tears there were to cry. Now, I just want beauty. Even if it's messy. Even if it doesn't feel deserved. I want to scatter beauty like wildflower seeds. Tulipa, your father. My father's body is gone. 
he's in everything. He's in every shell on the beach. He's in every blade of grass. He was too big of a heart to be one thing. The sun never set, nor would again. The four stood for 28 seconds and saw each other's lives before them. They lived, and every intrusive thought was given a parade, every moment of calm a gift. They sang. Their voices rose like the fingernails of angels across the chalkboard of heaven. The Ugly Radio is a production of Ugly Radio Presents and is part of the Pod Moth Network. Tonight's episode was produced by Andrew Shanks. Tonight's episode was Nemikitapa. Featured stories were Postmortem, written by Monty Rosema, performed by Dana Winter and A.V. Eichenbaum. Great Hollow, written by Jillian Blevins, performed by Alexandria Stevens, Mary-Kate Moran, and Chad Somerville. Mania, written by Brendan Mack, performed by Sarah Rose Nottingham, Maddie Nibble, Jordan Michael Whitby, Monica Domena, and Andrew Shanks. Musical guest tonight was Swamp Wife. Their debut self-titled EP is now available to stream on Apple and Spotify and other streaming services. Original music by Claudio. Title song provided by Unknown Citizen. Additional music provided by Artlist.io. Special thanks to Cody Smith and Zenaida Smith. The Ugly Radio is a proud member of the Podmoth Network. Podmoth is a tirelessly curated collection of weird, odd, and macabre podcasts. Give them a listen today. To support The Ugly Radio, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash theuglyradio. You can also contact us at theuglyradio at gmail.com. Take care, and we'll see you in the void. If you're looking for another spooky and funny podcast to add to your rotation, check out Anything Bones, now part of the Podmoth Network. Hey, Boneheads, I'm Sophie Schwartz. And I'm Caitlin Hart. And we're the hosts of Anything Bones, the podcast where we talk about bones and bone-related topics. Soph, what are bone-related topics? Thank you for asking, Caitlin. This can be anything from mausoleums to murderers, famous skeletons to cadaver dogs. Bone churches, mummies, serial killers. You'll hear about them all. And sometimes we have guests stop by and tell us their favorite bony tales. Check out Anything Bones on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever your little heart desires. We release new episodes every Saturday. Bone Voyage! Welcome to the Getting Down and Wordy podcast ad. What do we do on this podcast? Well, it's the first Edda Musical podcast. Can you try that again in real words so that people can understand? Fine. We talk about the intersection of popular music and language. Oh, can we also talk about Eurovision? Okay. Find us on Apple and Spotify. We are a Podmoth Network podcast.